So we're continuing our sermon series called 40 Days of Prayer. We're spending seven weeks looking at what the Bible has to say about the topic of prayer. One of the ways that we've been trying to help you in your prayer life is we've made these journals available. Kind of these books, they're really nicely put together, and every day there's a Bible verse that you can read and meditate on and memorize and journal as you're talking to God about that verse. Well, it turns out the church that puts these books together, they're out in California. Well, they sent me another box full of books. Now, I don't know if I made a mistake and ordered too many or if they made a mistake and sent me too many, but I have a whole other box of them, and I don't want them in my office. Okay, I'm tired of all these boxes of books in my office, so today they're free. If you haven't grabbed one of these yet, I just want these gone. If you don't take it, then I'm giving it to the Arabic church this afternoon. They're gone as of today. No more of these books because they're useless if they're in my office. I want them in your hands so that you can be growing in your prayer life. Okay? So help yourself to those books that are out in the foyer. You can grab one of those after. Have you ever had one of those days where you are just so into what you are doing that you completely lose track of time? You ever have those? Whether it's at work or a hobby or in school, like you're just so focused. You're just so laser focused into what you're doing. You just have no concept of time. That, that's, I've noticed that about myself, and I think that's how I have self-diagnosed myself as a little bit of a workaholic. A little bit of a workaholic. It might be bigger than I'd like to admit, but... Because I can get into it. I can like just be working on something in email, in a sermon, in meetings, in books, and I could just be and, and I'm starting to feel hungry, but you know, lunch is still hours away. And I'm working and I'm working, and then I finally look at my my, my Fitbit and it's quarter to four. So like, well, I should really have lunch. And then I have lunch, and then I leave at five, and then I go home and have dinner an hour and a half later. You ever have those days? Just so into it. Now, there's a part of me that really likes those days because I feel incredibly productive. I mean, look at all the work I got done. Look at this. Like, I was kicking it for Jesus today, and I got this done and this done and this done. But if I was really honest, there's actually a part of me that's incredibly disappointed when that happens. Because what that meant was I was so focused on me and my work and what I wanted to accomplish that I spent no time that day meeting with my Heavenly Father. And that's what I want us to talk about today as we continue this series on prayer, is I want us to look at the idea that God doesn't just want us to pray at certain times of the day. God wants to meet with us and wants us to pray to him throughout our day. And so what does that look like for us in our day-to-day lives, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you've got a full-time job, or if you're a full-time student, whatever that looks like for you, if you're retired and you're on the golf course, how can we be men and women, boys and girls that are praying to our Heavenly Father throughout the day? Just to give a little bit of a recap of where we've been in this series, we started off in the first week talking about the idea and asking ourselves, the really tough question of, do I actually want to grow? Do I actually want to grow spiritually? Do I actually want to become more mature in my faith? Do I actually want to grow in my prayer life? Because let's be honest, we we all go through these seasons where we say we want to, 
but our actions speak way louder than any word we confess. And we're not actually doing a single thing to grow in our faith. So we started this off asking us that question, do you want to mature? Do you want to grow? And looking at what the Bible says about that. Because there's stuff that God does to help us grow, but there's stuff that you and I do as well. So I'd encourage you, if you've been feeling a little stuck the last five weeks, you might have to rewatch that first one and remind yourself, what's my part in this to grow in maturity? The second thing that we did is we kind of then started diving into prayer, and we really looked at prayer at like 35,000 feet. It was really that introduction to prayer. Not calling it prayer for dummies because there are no dummies here, okay? But it was really that high-level introduction, what is prayer? It's not just some religious tradition that we do to appease an angry God who hates us. I shared how I was raised in a Christian environment that as punishment, we had to pray. When God was mad at us, we had punishment. Sit in the corner and repeat this prayer 100 times. And maybe God will forgive you. Maybe God will love you. And so then we went from that idea to talking about, well, who is God? And we looked at one characteristic of God. We talked about his goodness. Because why would we pray to a God who isn't good? Especially when times are hard. Especially when life is difficult. Why would we turn to a God who smites us, who's angry with us, who's judging us, who hates us? Why would we pray to him? And we saw the importance of knowing that God is good. He's a good father. And even in the difficulties of life, he is walking with us. And then last week, we talked about praying in five different dimensions. And I didn't, dimensions, woo, kind of dimensions. But in directions, different ways that we can be posturing ourselves in prayer. And we looked at one of them is looking backwards to the cross. Because God doesn't prove his love to you by answering your prayers. God proved his love to you by dying on the cross. So we look backwards to that. We look forward to the day when Jesus will return. That is where our hope is. That there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more death. We also saw the importance of looking inward. How am I doing? If Jesus is truly in me, Am I becoming more like Jesus, or am I stuck, and I need to do something about that? So today, we're going to camp out in one key passage of the New Testament, and we're going to unpack this passage together, looking at how you and I could see prayer as something that we do, not out of religious obligation, but something we do out of joy and out of love and out of pleasure all throughout the day. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is what we're going to look at. If you're kind of new to the Bible and you're not familiar with it, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. You can keep that. And uh, go to the back of the Bible, right to the very end, and just kind of start flipping backwards into the, you know, start making your way in. You'll, You'll find the book of Ephesians there. Or you can just download the church app, and every single week you can follow along with all the Bible verses that we provide that way. Shameless plug. You know 500 people around the world have downloaded our app? You know 1,300 people a week are watching this service online? It should excite us to no end, because we have no clue what God is doing. If you're watching this online, welcome. So glad you're here. Okay, The church is much bigger than we think it is. 
much bigger than we think it is. Rabbit trail. I promised people I wouldn't go on those today. Let's read this. Ephesians chapter 6. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Right, this letter called Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. And just to kind of give you a little bit of context of what Paul is writing about here, he's talking about some really deep, deep truth about how you and I um, are to live out our Christian faith and what it means to truly be a Christian in the world. Right, he starts this letter off talking about our identity as a follower of Jesus. And your identity as a follower of Jesus is so important for you to grasp if you truly want to be maturing in your faith. Paul is reminding the Ephesians that they are a new creation. And sometimes we kind of forget what that means. Because it's one of those Christian buzzwords that we just use all the time. What does it mean to be a new creation? Well, when I talk to my non-Christian friends and they ask me, Kevin, what was the difference between before you were a Christian and now? What's the difference? Because you were always a nice guy. You were always a friendly guy. You were always a thoughtful guy. What's different? And when I tell them, it sounds crazy. I get it. It sounds lunatic. And that sounds so crazy. But what I tell them is, when I was on that train, work, reading a Bible, and I gave my life to Jesus, Kevin Presso, died. Kevin is dead. He's a new creation. My desires, my dreams, my hopes, my ambitions, everything before Christ was dead. I died, and then I was given new life, a heart of love instead of a heart of stone, a heart of passion for the hurting, for the weak, for the marginalized, for the widow, for the orphan. Died at that moment. That's your identity. You need to remember that always. That we are dead to sin. We are dead to the things of the world. And God has created us and has indwelled us. We're made new. So Paul starts there. Right? And then he talks about because now the old man is dead, you are now fully alive. Right? The Christian faith is not just simply, well, I'm going to accept Jesus so I can be with God forever, and then I'm just going to kind of keep living this kind of icky, kind of crappy life. Right? Jesus says that I came to give life and give life to the full. And that's what the Apostle Paul teaches, that we are to be fully alive in our relationship with God. Right? The cranky Christian is probably not a Christian. Right, the church that's not having any impact in the world for the glory of God may not be Christian. I'm not judging. It's between them and God. But we don't see that. There's no spiritual gift of crankiness. Okay, when you read about the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about, you don't see love, joy, peace, cranky. It's not in there. <laughs> okay? My translation doesn't say that. We're to be fully alive in Christ. And Paul talks about this. 
And then he starts talking about the idea that the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the Romans, the Greeks, they're now united. They've been reconciled to God. And that's a great thing to be reminded of because, well, the Jewish people didn't like the Gentile people. The Jewish people didn't want to eat with a Gentile. They didn't want to be in the same room as a Gentile because being with those people might make me unclean. I can't be seen with these people because I'm a good religious man or a good religious woman. I don't eat with them. I don't associate with people like that. Jesus throws that all away. You're now family with those people. Reconciled before God, reconciled to each other. Put those differences behind you. Paul addresses that. And then he says, because of our new identity, because we're fully alive, because we are reconciled to God and reconciled to each other, then he goes into giving instructions for how to live our lives as Christians. Because of this, this is how we live. In our relationships as husband and wife, with children and all these different relationships. It's not we live this way to become this. It's we are this, therefore we live this way. And then Paul goes into talking about the the armor of God. He talks about as a follower of Jesus, in this world that we live in, we are to put on the full armor of God. And this is very familiar to us if we you know, been to church for a long time, I could throw up, you know, the little flannel graph picture with the soldier, and we could point out the armor of God, and we could sing the little Sunday school songs about it. I'm not going to, but uh, we could. (laughs) But we forget the reason we put on the armor of God is because there's war. There's a war going on. There is a spiritual battle going on. For the hearts of the people of this world. There's a battle going on. And I think sadly we at the church, we look at the battle of like, well, here's that group of people that we hate. Or here's those people that we hate. Or here's those people that we hate. And our battle is against people that we hate. The problem is, this is what Paul says. This is the reason why we put on the armor of God. Paul writes this. He says, our struggle is not with flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not called to hate them. We're called to love them. We're called to reach out to them, to be a blessing to them. We're not called to hate them. We're not called to hate them. We're called to love them. Our battle is a spiritual battle. And that's why we put on the armor. So that's where Paul is bringing us in this letter. And then he concludes it with three tiny little verses talking about prayer. And that's where I wanted to set this up. You need to understand where he's gone so that we can truly grasp how these three little verses can actually be part of our daily life. How you and I can move out of maybe a prayer life or a prayer life that you do out of obligation or a prayer life where God feels distant to truly be living out a life that we are truly praying throughout the day, meeting with our Father. That's what we want to highlight. I'm going to go through these three verses. I'm going to break it down into six different things that Paul is talking about. I would encourage you to write these six things down so you can talk about them in your life group this week. 
Well, the first point is this. The first thing that uh, Paul is talking about when it comes to prayer is he says, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Now, if I were to pick four words in the Bible that creates more tension, more frustration, and more church splits than any other four words, I would argue it's these four. In the Spirit. What does Paul mean? Because we want to know what this means. We want to know what this means. Is Paul talking about talking in other foreign languages? Is Paul talking in talking about speaking in tongues? Is he talking about using that supernatural heavenly language? What's Paul talking about in the spirit? So we have to take time to, to study that, to look at that. And the way you study something in the Bible, when, when someone says something in the Bible, you have to see where they say it again. Right? Because if I were to get up front here and say, hey, you know what? This week, my dog, uh, sorry, my cat did something really cool. My cat started finally fetching a stick when I threw it. And my cat's really driving me crazy because every time the mailman comes, my cat starts barking like crazy. You know what? And my cat, like, she's, you know, shedding all over the place and, and making messes. And I got this big bag of cat food. And, and, I'm, and I'm using this term cat. And you're going, wait a minute, I think Kevin, I think he's talking about a dog. But I'm saying cat. You actually have to study how I use the word cat to understand what's being unpacked. The same thing with the Bible. Right? When Paul keeps saying, in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit, you and I can't just say, well, I think it means this. And I'm just going to run off in this tangent, believing this is what it means. What does in the spirit mean to Paul? doesn't matter what in the spirit means to you and I. <laughs> what does in the spirit mean to the guy who wrote it? Right? And when we study this phrase all throughout the book of Ephesians, when we study this phrase, all his other writings, Paul is not talking about tongues. He's not talking about praying in tongues. Now, Paul talks about praying in tongues in other parts of the Bible. And I'm a believer that the gifts of tongues is still a spiritual gift active in the world today. I don't believe it ended. But I do believe Paul is very clear on how that gift is to be used privately between you and God. Because we abuse it. We use it to show off how spiritual we are to people. We use it to judge people's salvation. If you were truly a Christian, you would speak in tongues. Which goes against the teachings of Paul. Paul says everyone's going to Speak in tongues. Why would Paul say to the church, everybody put on the armor of God to be prepared for the spiritual battle, but only some of you pray in the spirit? That's not what he's saying. He's saying everybody, because of your identity, because you've been reconciled to God, because the armor of God is on you, now pray. Everybody, 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 some people. So what does in the spirit mean if it is for everybody? It means praying in the power and in the authority of the Holy Spirit in your life. When Paul uses the term in the spirit, he is talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is interactive with us. We are empowered and we're instructed by the spirit of God in how to pray. It's that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to be fully part of the process of when you and I go to God in prayer. 
What does that look like in our day? If we want to be praying daily, what does it look like to be praying in the Spirit? Well, it looks like asking God how I should pray. And I'll admit, I'm not very good at this because I have a list. I kind of keep a running list. People say, hey, pastor, could you pray for me? I take out my cell phone. I got this prayer app. I put you in my prayer app. And when I remember to pray for you, I put my little green tick box beside you going, sweet, look at that. I'm keeping up on my prayer list. I like my list. I am learning more and more the spiritual discipline of asking God what I should pray for. You know who's awesome at this? My wife, Danielle. Like we'll get together and we'll be praying in the morning and I'm, you know, kind of rushed and I've got like my agenda and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish and we're praying. And Danielle will go, well, you know what? Let's ask God what we should pray about. Like, oh my, no! I'm busy! I gotta go! I'm late! I got like places to be! Like, like I already know what I want to pray about. <laughs> we take time throughout the day and actually say, God, who do you want me to pray for? It's incredible what pops up when we do that. The person that comes to mind, the family that comes to mind, the situation in our country that might, or around the world that comes to mind when we actually allow the Holy Spirit who's in us to be an active participant in our prayer life. But Paul explains this more in Romans chapter 8, verses 26-27, when he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When you've taken time to pray, don't be so rushed through your prayer list. Don't be so rushed in our agenda. But ask God, who can I pray for today, God? Who needs to be touched by you? That's praying in the Spirit. So hearing from God and talking to God in that way. The second thing that Paul then jumps into in this passage in Ephesians is he talks about to pray in all occasions. To pray in all occasions. When I was a brand new Christian 20 years ago, I used to really beat myself up when it came to the topic of prayer and when it came to the topic of quiet time with God. Like, I would go on these retreats, particularly I'd go on these men's retreats, and there'd be this guy up there in his 60s or 70s, and he would be talking about how every single morning for the last 50 years, he would get up at 4.30, and he would read his Bible from 4.30 to 5.15, and then he would journal from 5.15 to 5.30, and he's meeting with God, and he's done this every day for 40 years, and, you know, you as a good Christian, you need that quiet time. And then I'd go home all pumped up and excited. I'd say, yeah, 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 I'm going to do this. Me and 4.30, we don't get along. Me and 5.30, me and quarter to 10, we're okay? Okay? I'm a night hawk. I like the evening. I like the nighttime. I like the boogie. No, I'm not going to go into that song. Okay? But I'm not a morning person. And we develop this language as Christians saying if you were really spiritual, if you were really close to God, you would do like I do. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says we should have a prayer life where we pray on all occasions. When I learned 
that God is okay with me praying a short prayer multiple times a day throughout the day, and he loves that just as much as he loves the guy who gets up at 4.30, it was like I was set free. It was the greatest day. It's like I don't have to live in this guilt and this shame to try and be like this person because my walk with God is a little different. And I can pray all day long, short kind of prayers on all occasions. I kind of, Rick Warren calls it, it's basically like spiritual breathing. We don't realize we're breathing until we stop breathing, right? And prayer can be like that too. We're just kind of praying. When you pass someone, you just say a prayer. When you're out walking your dog, you just say a prayer. When you open up an email, you just say a prayer. It's just like breathing. It just comes naturally. We pray in all kinds of occasions. Right? Jesus said this to his, his disciples in Luke 18, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We should always be praying as disciples of Jesus. And you know what? And this has actually become some of my best prayer time. Some of my best prayer time is in those times when I'm by myself walking the dog. Praying for my neighbors, praying that the dog would turn into a cat. Something, okay, she's great, I love my dog. Praying for my neighbors, praying for my family, you know, going into a meeting here at the church, just praying for a couple before I meet with them, who's going through some marriage stuff. Pray with someone before I meet with them, you know, like just, just this constant, just these little prayers, these little things. God, I'm about to go into this meeting. What do you want to do in this meeting, God? It's not about my agenda. God, what do you want to do? Right? When I get a new friend on Facebook, God, thank you for bringing that person back into my life. Why are you bringing this person into my life at this time? Little things, all occasions. Right? And it can be so simple to do. And the challenge for us is to not just do that when times are good, because that's easy. How do we develop that habit when things stink? Right? Jen, our, our fusion director, shared a story with me, and I didn't, don't have permission to tell this, so Jen, coffee is on me at staff meeting this week. It's safe, don't worry. She's all nervous now. So she had a meeting planned with her leaders a couple of Wednesdays ago, and it snowed, and they had to cancel the meeting. And Jen's like, but I had plans. I had my agenda. I have to have this meeting. We have to have this meeting. We have work to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. So she prayed, and God said to her, isn't the snow pretty? When you're stuck in traffic, when it's taking you an hour to get to two exits because of all the snow, how's your heart? It's so pretty. Look how lovely this is. I'm so glad God created snow so it's going to fill our lakes and streams so as a country we have fresh drinking water in the spring. Thank you, Lord. Spiritual discipline. Praying that way on all occasions, all occasions, all occasions. The Greek means all occasions. We pray in all kinds of occasions. I had, I was asking God for another example for this. Ah, oh, why do I do that? So I pray to God, God, how can I, how can I improve my prayer life? God, how can I improve my prayer life? So yesterday, if you saw it on Facebook, I had a bucket full of water come through my ceiling yesterday. Check it out on Facebook. It's an awesome video of this water just gushing in. It was amazing. As I climbed up this ladder and poked a knife through it, and this water came gushing out on top of me. And I didn't pray right away. 
I had some other words first. And then I went, thank you, God. I actually like working with my hands. I do. I'll actually, I enjoy this work. I hate paying for it, but I enjoy doing it. And so I thank God for it. Thank God for it. In all occasions, in all occasions, in all occasions. That's something we grow into, and that's what Paul is talking to us here. Because of our identity, because of who we are, because of what Jesus has done, we can pray in all occasions. The second, uh, the third and the fourth thing, kind of combine them together, and Paul tells us to pray all kinds of prayers and to pray all kinds of requests. Paul wants us to pray all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. Right? The more we are dependent on the Spirit in our lives, you will see it will begin to change how you pray and what kinds of prayers you pray. Again, it's easy to just kind of always pray happy prayers. God, thank you for the sunshine today. God, thank you for my wife. God, thank you for my children. Good prayers. But God's actually okay with us going to him and saying, God, this stinks. This situation that I'm in is horrible. And I, God, why did you even allow this, God? You know, God's okay with that. You know, there's actually prayers in your Bible that talk to God that way. It's called the lament. Different kinds of prayers. If you want to kind of learn to grow in praying that way, start using the book of Psalms as your prayers. That was a mentor of mine that told me that when I was a brand new Christian. Every morning I would start, I'd read a Psalm and just make that my prayer. And there are days when I'm praising God and there's days when I'm cursing and I'm angry. God's okay with that. He's your father. He can handle that. You can bring all kinds of, all kinds of prayers to him. And then God wants us to bring all kinds of requests to him. All kinds of requests. Sometimes we, we get stuck in a rut when it comes to our prayer life that we just kind of pray for the big things. Or if we're honest, we just bring to God the things that we are comfortable talking about. Well, I'll pray about this because I'm willing to acknowledge this. But you have stuff in your life that you're not proud of. You have stuff in your life that you don't like to acknowledge. And the reason I can say that with total confidence is because so do I. So do I. And it's those things that we don't like about ourselves that we don't like talking about with other people actually cause us to not even go to God with those things. Right? Jesus taught this to his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 41. It says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. The flesh doesn't want to confess those things. The flesh doesn't want anyone to know about those things. The flesh does not want God to intervene in those things. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. The spirit wants to bring that stuff out. And here's what's funny about this stuff, and we all know this, is God already knows this. Like We're not fooling him with a secret sin in our life. We're not fooling him with a secret bad attitude in our life. Like, no one's, we're not fooling him. The only person we're fooling is our All of those things, all requests to him, even the stuff we're comfortable talking about. But I've shared this before, but two years ago, I went to the doctor's office because I don't know what was going on. 
the church was growing. My job here is amazing. My wife is amazing. The kids are amazing. Everything in my life is amazing. And I'm driving to this church on Monday morning crying. And not like, cheers, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like massive depression, like in a dark pit. And I'm like, this is bad. What's going on? And I'm crying every day. And I'm up every single night having a hard time breathing, having these panic attacks at night. And so I'm telling this to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, you know, you need to talk about it. You need to, you know, see someone about it. You need to take this cute little pink pill for it. It's like, I don't want to talk to anyone about it. I don't want to take the pink little pill. We deny. We ignore the stuff we're embarrassed about. God wants to bring all that stuff to the light. Because when you bring it to the light, then Jesus shows up and does amazing things. We pray all kinds of requests on all occasions. And that's why we want every single person to be a part of a group, of a life group during the week. Because we want you to be in a safe environment where you can have those conversations with other Christians. Sunday morning is not the place to have that conversation. If I went around on Sunday morning with the microphone saying, this is going to be Confess Your Sin Sunday, and we're going to go around with the microphone, and everyone's going to kind of confess the thing you don't like to admit about yourself, the thing you don't want to talk about, the thing you don't want to pray about, we're going to do that here. Our attendance will go from 400 to 35 in a week. (laughs) Because it's not the place for it. We have to create ministries and environments to allow those conversations and those prayers to happen. So we want you doing that. Do you have a select list of these are the things I will pray for? Open up your list. And you'll start praying a lot more during the day. When you have those temptations and the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, the spirit is strong, pray for it. When you have these reminders of these tensions you might have in your relationships, pray for it. Pray for it on all occasions. The fifth thing that Paul talks about here in the passage is he talks about pray for the church. Pray for the church. Paul says, so with this in mind, that you're praying in the spirit, you're praying on all occasions, you're praying all kinds of prayers, you're praying all kinds of requests. With that in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. If your prayer life consists of praying just for you or just for things that will directly bless or benefit you, I think it's safe to say you are not praying in the Spirit. If you are only praying for you and what you want and what will bless you directly, you're not praying in the Spirit. Because you're praying for you. The Spirit, if you're praying in the Spirit, will start bringing up other people. Other people in your church family who need you to be praying. People who are going through stuff and you don't even know what they're going through. But God has put it on your heart to be praying for that man or that woman. That's what praying in the Spirit starts doing. I'm always amazed when I show up here on a Sunday and says, hey, pastor, at, you know, Tuesday at 1115, I was praying for you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, you know what meeting I was in? I don't tell them about the meeting, but this is what's going in through my mind. You know what I was dealing with at 1115 on that Tuesday? Thank you for praying for the church. And God brings that to mind. 
know, there's a real easy way that you can start growing in that and praying for people. And this is how I pray for you. I spy on you. On your social media. I follow you and I look at what you do. Creepy, I know. Some of you have like some really good taste. I would love to come to your house for dinner. You're like, man, you can cook. Okay. But this is what I do. I go through it and I just pray for you. I see what's going on. I see you playing with your kids. I pray for your kids. I see you kind of a graduation happening. I pray for the graduation. I pray, hey, a grandbaby. I pray for the grandbaby. It, it, it takes like four seconds. Okay, I waste two hours on it, but, you know, it should only take four seconds. <laughs> Just seeing the church, praying for the church. We can actually develop that discipline real easy throughout the day. When you see someone pop up on your Facebook feed or whatever that might be to pray for them in that way. Right? This is Because that's the life of the church. Luke writes about this in Acts chapter 1. Right? When thousands of people just started coming to Jesus, and the church is growing like crazy. Luke says in Acts 1.14, they all join together constantly in prayer. They join together constantly in prayer. Praying for each other, supporting one another through prayer in that way. It's easy to get busy. It's easy to focus on just ourselves. But praying in the Spirit is going to cause you to start praying for other people. And then finally, point six out of these three little verses is to pray for leaders. Pray for leaders. Right? Paul asks that the church would pray for him, that we'd pray for the leaders. Paul asks that the church would pray that the gospel would be preached boldly. Paul repeats this message to the church again and again and again. Like example, 1 Thessalonians 5.25 says, Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the elders of our church. Pray for the deacons of this church. If you're in a life group, pray for your leader of the life group. If you've got a kid in kid zone, pray for the leader. If you've got a kid in fusion, pray for the leader. Pray for them. Pray for them. Don't criticize them. Don't judge them. There's no spiritual gift of criticism in the church. Now, if the leader is ungodly and unbiblical, there are processes to deal with that. But the call of the church is to submit to their leaders and to pray for them. It's not about preference. It's not about what you like or style. It's trusting that God is hearing from the leaders and submitting to it. So pray for them. Pray for them. We need your prayers. I firmly believe if Satan can take out a pastor or an elder or a small group leader, the shrapnel from that is huge. We see churches close their doors with the failings of one leader. Pray for your leaders. And that's something that you can develop real easy every moment of the day. If you have a cup of coffee, pray for me. Easy to remember. I'm addicted to it. If you see a Star Wars logo, pray for me. Hey, there's Star Wars logos everywhere now. Everywhere. We're bombarded with it. It's easy to have people that you care about come to mind. Pray for them constantly because we're in a battle. And we're all in this battle together. These are three little verses, but there's so much power in these verses when it comes to how you and I pray throughout the day. It takes a discipline. It takes getting the focus off of ourselves and trusting the Spirit of God in us. 
But this will completely change how you and I pray throughout the day. It will completely change how you pray throughout the day. If we're praying in the Spirit, praying in all occasions, if we're praying all requests, if we're praying um, all kinds of prayers, if we're praying for the church, if we're praying for leaders, if we begin to pray that way, God is going to show up and do way more than we could ask or imagine. We believe as leaders that God wants to do amazing things in our city. We believe God wants to do amazing things of seeing people come to Christ and see people gain victory over sin in their lives. And we believe it's going to start with being men, women, boys, and girls who pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that we could come to this place and look at your word and learn together and grow together and laugh together and be challenged together. Lord, you are calling us as your church to be built up, to become more like Jesus. And so, Father, we, we want that. We want that in our lives. We want that in our church. That we want to be more and more like Christ. So, Father, help to develop us by your spirit, by your power at work in our lives. Help us to develop that closer relationship to you where we are praying to you all throughout the day. Help us to realize, Lord, it's not about just this religious tradition that we're trying to do, but we want to come and meet with you, our Abba, Father. So help us, Lord, to pray by your Spirit. Help us to pray on all occasions. Help us to pray all kinds of requests, all kinds of prayers. Help us to pray for our brothers and sisters in the church, and help us to pray for the leaders who shepherd us. And I would just ask, God, that you would forgive us for the times when we don't pray. When we get so busy in ourselves, we get so caught up in our own lives and what we're doing. Forgive us for that, God. Because you want to meet with us, and you're ready to meet with us. But it's us who kind of forget to meet with you. So, Lord, I pray for kind of church that prays more and more. I just want to take a moment. If you're here today, and, and you're kind of... Maybe you're not too sure kind of where you stand with God. Maybe you're kind of hearing all this religious mumbo-jumbo, and you're kind of going, man, this sounds really good, but I'm not too sure I understand this. I just want you to know how much God loves you, that he cares for you, and he loves you so much that he wants to deal with your sin issue, that he wants you to know that you're forgiven, and you can come to him in a very simple way, just by saying, thank you, God, that you forgive me. Thank you that you love me, and thank you that Jesus would die for me. Today, God, I give you my life, even though I don't fully understand what that means. But God, I want this life that Jesus promises. So today, I want to start this journey of prayer with you, my Father. And for maybe those of you who've been stuck dealing with a sin that you don't want to confess or dealing with a sin you don't want to talk about, this is a great time to just tell God about it. He already knows about it. You can just ask him. Forgive me for that. Give me strength, God, to deal with that sin. God, transform me. Make me into the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl you created me to be. So, Father, man, we just want to see you continue to change our lives and change people's lives.